0: I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 178 Coping Through Infertility. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. It's National Infertility Awareness Week here in the United States, and this is a topic that I am so passionate about and intimately connected with because my two miracle children came to our family after I struggled with infertility for years. I knew from the time I was a teenager that I might struggle with infertility due to polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. So when my husband Ryan and I were ready to start our family, we started infertility treatments and the adoption process at the same time. I did almost a year of intrauterine inseminations, had nectopic ectopic pregnancy, and had surgery to clear endometriosis before Arnoa arrived via adoption in 2011. A few years later, I decided to skip the IUIs that had not worked before and go straight to in vitro fertilization, and our miracle, Sally, was born about a year later. When I sum it up like that, it feels very neat and tied up with a bow, but the truth is, infertility is an excruciating trial, physically and emotionally. I will never forget the never-ending doctor's visits, the uncomfortable and invasive tests and procedures, the medications that made me feel crazy, the endless waiting, the raised hopes and the crushing disappointments month after month, the loneliness, and the heartache. The list could go on and on. If you are currently facing this trial, I want you to know that I see you and I'm so sorry. You are not alone, and I hope that something within today's episode will give you a little glimmer of hope or one small perspective shift or one new tool to try out to support yourself. Our guest today is Jenica Parcell, an infertility warrior mama and advocate, and a certified life coach who specializes in supporting those who are going through this trial. Jennica has created an infertility community at thesliceofsun.com, where women experiencing infertility can receive and scatter sunshine and support. They have resources like a private Facebook group, newsletter that goes out each Monday, and a new podcast called Fearless Infertility. Jenica is someone who has truly turned her personal pain and heartache into an opportunity to richly support others, and I'm honored to interview her today for National Infertility Awareness Week. Before I share my conversation with her, I have two quick announcements. First, the best tool that I've found for managing my thoughts about motherhood and really any trial I go through is the Flex of Gold Journal. With this journal, you write down one golden moment you experience each day as a reminder that no matter how dark the season you're going through... There are still moments of joy. I actually started this journaling practice after my struggle with infertility, because when Noah arrived to us through adoption, I expected to love every moment of motherhood. And I was devastated when I didn't. I was grappling with so many heavy emotions at the time. We just moved across the country and left behind all of my dearest friends who had supported me through infertility. My husband had just started a very demanding residency program, and I was all alone in a rundown apartment every day with a baby who rarely stopped crying. Noah was colicky, and his screaming broke my heart. I was grieving for his birth mom, who was having a difficult time, and I was trying to manage all of the emotions of new motherhood while heaping on a lot of guilt and shame for not loving every second of my miracle." During this difficult time, I started writing down one golden moment from each day, and little by little, my perspective completely changed. I started to notice the joyful moments as they were happening, not just in retrospect, and it taught me to look for the good in myself and in my life. Oh, how I wish I'd had the flexible journal when I was going through the hard years of infertility, but I'm grateful that I discovered this concept when I did, and it has truly changed me. If you or a mama you love is going through a difficult trial right now, whether that's infertility, divorce, defiant or struggling teenagers, mental or physical illness, or the death of a loved one, the Flex of Gold journal would be an incredible gift for them. Now through Mother's Day, the journals are 10% off with the code 3 and 30. So I hope you will order one for yourself or for a mom you love by going to 3and30podcast.com/slash flexofgold, and remember to use the code 3 and 30 for 10% off through Mother's Day. My second announcement is that this month of episodes is sponsored by Jane.com, a highly curated online boutique marketplace. Jane just celebrated their 10th birthday this past week, which is a huge accomplishment. For the past 10 years they have been featuring products from thousands of small businesses, most of them female or family owned. As a female business owner myself, this kind of support means a lot to me. Over 400 new products drop daily at amazing discounted prices, everything from apparel for the whole family, to home decor, to fun finds such as toys and novelty items. Lately, I've been on the hunt for a leather weekender bag that I can take when I go on a girls trip or we go to visit family for a few days. So I check the deals at jane.com often and I know something beautiful is going to pop up soon and I can snag it at a great price. If you're interested in shopping but don't know where to start, check out the curated selection of My Favorite Things on jane.com that I made just for 3 and 30 listeners. You can see the deals that I handpicked for this community and those deals change often. By going to jane.com slash three and thirty. That's jane.com slash three and thirty. And now onto the show. This is Coping Through Infertility. Hi, Jenica. We are so excited to have you on three and thirty today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, before we start, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on your story and how you became passionate about helping and supporting women with infertility.
1: Okay. I'd love to. So my husband and I started trying to conceive and we didn't expect any complications. And after a year, we still hadn't conceived a baby. So I was working full-time at the time and luckily had good insurance. And we started seeing a fertility specialist. And again, they said that nothing was wrong. They couldn't see anything specific. There were a few small changes that needed to be made to like medication, for example, my thyroid. Um, But they didn't think that that was something that would inhibit our ability to have a baby. So we did three IUIs and two rounds of IVF. And in that process, we didn't tell many people. Our close friends knew and our family knew, but it was mostly a hidden trial we were experiencing and everything Mm -hmm. from the outside of our life looked fine and happy. And Mm -hmm. after we had a miscarriage on an airplane or I had a miscarriage on an airplane in China. I decided that I was just exhausted, my body was physically exhausted, my mind was exhausted, and we needed a break, and it just felt like too much to carry on my own. And so I decided to write out the entire story up until that point. Writing has always been really therapeutic for me, and it just felt so good. And I sat on it for a couple of weeks and then decided to publish it on my blog, a slice of a few weeks later. And I was absolutely blown away with a response on how many people could relate and how common infertility was because up until that point, I didn't know. And... Mm. We ended up doing a third round of IVF. I documented the whole process with letters to our future child on the blog. And then at that point, I just felt like my burden was lifted and shared across many people who were praying for us and who were supporting us. And it just really instilled in me a desire to help other women through the process that can be so isolating.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, there's so much there that I want to dive into. I feel like, first of all, to have not had any notice at all that you were going to struggle and then to suddenly be faced with that must have been so difficult. I knew from the time I was a teenager that I would have issues conceiving. And I really think that that was a blessing in a way because it didn't come as the shock to me. And I know that so many women it does come as a real shock when there's no lead up and all of a sudden you're facing this trial you didn't expect. For many women, it might also be secondary infertility that they had no problem conceiving their first child or their second child. And then all of a sudden they're wanting another child and it's just not happening. And it's taking years and medical interventions. It's like, where in the world did this come from? And it's this unexpected experience and this unexpected grief. And so for you to have to carry that alone for so long must have been really, really hard and heavy. Why did you make the decision not to tell too many people at first?
1: I honestly, at first, I didn't think it would take that long to get pregnant. And even during the infertility treatments, I wanted to just share the success story which I think is really telling of the journey I've been on in accepting negative feelings and negative emotions as part of life. Mm. And so I was just wanting to share the success story at the end and, and be like uplifting and positive and not burden people, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, that I sort of am laughing because isn't that how we are as humans? Like we're willing to share after. Like, yeah. by the way, I went through infertility or by the way, I had a really big struggle in my marriage or my child was really struggling with this or that. But it's okay now. It's fixed. Everything's fine. Because yeah. it's so vulnerable to share while you're in it, while you don't have a way to tie it up with a bow, you know? Yeah. And say, and I think Brene Brown said we are willing to show people our scars, but not our wounds. Mm. And isn't that the truth? Like once it's all healed and done, we'll talk about it, but not while we're in it. Yeah. But you finally did. You shared while you were in it and found that strength in that community from sharing while you were in it. And I'm so grateful. I don't know. Did you say what
1: happened that you got your miracle twins? I didn't say. Yeah, that third (laughs) round of IVF. (laughs) It It was crazy. It was looking back on it. I mean, we had so many complications, but we did end up getting pregnant with twins who are now four and a half our daughter and our son, Harrison Goldie, and they're the light and joy of our lives. And I do it all over again, but I learned so much through it and a lot about myself and how to help others through it as well.
0: Yeah. And that's what we're going to be diving into today in this interview is really some of the tools that Jennica and I wish that we had had when we went through infertility, because I did not have mental health support. Looking back, why on earth didn't I get a therapist? Everybody listening to this podcast knows how much I love therapy. But it was after Noah was born that I finally went through therapy. And I went through this traumatic experience without the tools to help me manage my thoughts better. And Jenica, did you have these tools and emotional support when you were going through infertility? I didn't. I was a deer in the headlights. Yeah. (laughs) And so now you have trained as a life coach with a life coach school and really are passionate about giving women some of the tools that you wish that you had had when you were going through this. And we're going to be talking today about how managing our thoughts can really strengthen us and help us to get through the heartache of infertility. And Jenica and I both feel passionately that we don't want to minimize the pain of infertility and to say, if you just manage your thoughts, you can get through this on a cheerful cloud of cotton candy. That will never be true because this is hard. We get that more than anyone. Maybe not more than anyone, but we get that. Yeah. But... If you can manage your thoughts, it can make the experience more bearable for you, and that's really what we're hoping that listeners will come away from from this interview. So, Jenica, I know in the Life Coach School, they talk a lot about the model, and I'm familiar enough with it to know that one of the key principles of that is that our circumstances are neutral, and our thoughts create our feelings about our circumstances. Can you just explain what that means that our circumstances are neutral.
1: Yes. And I know what everyone's going to think right away. And I agree with you as a friend. I'm like, infertility is not neutral. Are you kidding me? But let me explain how it will help you. And the only person that's not benefiting from believing it will be you. And let me tell you how to take your power back in that. Mm. And so I just want everyone to be a little bit open minded and hearing this because trust me, I know that infertility, when you hear the fact that it's neutral, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. So,
0: and it sounds insensitive. It does. But like you said, keep an open mind because this will
1: help you take your power back. Exactly. Yeah. Just give it a minute with an open mind and I'll help you try to understand a little bit better. So any circumstances in the world are neutral. And the reason why we know that is because different people can have different opinions on it. Now, not every single person in the world right now would think that infertility is a bad thing. There are people that don't want to have children. There are people that aren't interested in being mothers. And to those people, it would be great because they would think thoughts like, awesome. I don't need to worry about preventing getting pregnant. And so that's how we know that it's neutral.
0: So you know that it's neutral because even if the majority of people might think that is really hard and devastating, Mm -hmm. the fact that some people wouldn't have that thought shows this is neutral. It's just a fact. It could just be, I'm going through infertility. That could just be proven in a court of law. And then what we decide to believe about that or what is true for us is what
1: adds the emotion to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So as long as there's at least one person that thinks differently than you, we know that it's a neutral circumstance. So the next line in the model is your thoughts about the circumstance. For me, I did think that infertility was really hard, and I was not happy about it, and I wanted kids. And so there were times when I chose thoughts like, this is horrible. Why do I need to be going through this? Why me? And whatever your thought is about a circumstance will lead you to feel a certain way about it. So whether that's negative, positive, I mean, there's a thousand different feelings you can feel, but it's your thoughts that you're thinking about the circumstance that will lead to your feelings, not the actual circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you're feeling will lead you to do certain things. And how you know that is just the things that you're doing in your life, whether you're doing them or not doing them even. Maybe for me in this particular model, if I felt Sad or angry, I might do things like buffer. And what buffer means is basically just try to avoid those feelings by doing other things that distract you, like eat food or watch movies, just basically try to avoid that feeling.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then the results would be, for example, in that model, that I am not getting to try to solve the issues that I had. I wasn't researching additional ways to help myself things like that. So it can be a little bit overwhelming, which is what I'm here for. And it's very interesting too, because I think a lot of times when we're in our own brains, we're not aware of what our brains are actually doing because our brains are amazing. They're so smart. They try to protect us. Like they're on our side. And I think that oftentimes we think certain thoughts are truly benefiting us when in reality you step away from it and you see the result that you're getting because of that thought. And you're like, well, this isn't benefiting me. So when you're aware of that, then you can actively change it if you want to.
0: Yes. And that leads perfectly into our first takeaway. For women who are
1: struggling with infertility, what is one thing that they can remember? So the first takeaway I want to talk about is that you get to choose your thoughts about your circumstances. And something that really helped me during infertility was to think the thought that if it wasn't this trial, it would be some other trial and that as human beings, we come to this life and we have trials. And that's just part of the experience. And for me, I was fully aware of that. And because of that thought, it led me to feelings of peace. And it led me to not being jealous of other people because I would look at someone who did have kids and know that they had their own trials that they were dealing with. And so that Mm. always helped me to feel peaceful about my circumstances. And then live that life in the moment that felt the best to me. And of course, there were thoughts that popped into my head that didn't help me. But I always came back to that one if I wanted to get out of a negative thought pattern that wasn't serving me.
0: Yeah. And what I love about that is that focus on that isn't serving you. Choose thoughts that serve you. So thoughts aren't necessarily true. Right. Right. And like in this case, you had the thought, if I weren't going through this, I would be going through something else hard. Well, Maybe not. Maybe you would just be like living in a happy, blissful existence. Who knows? Right. But that thought, it doesn't matter if it's, quote, true. What matters is that it serves you. Yes, exactly. It made you take stock of your blessings. It made you let go of resentment of other people and accept where you were at. And it was just a thought that felt good to you and that served you. Yeah. Yeah. And I can give an example of a thought that did not serve me. When I was going through infertility, A thought that I had a lot was my body is broken. And I don't know if I had that consciously or if that was just sort of an underlying thing that was going in my mind. But as you discussed later in the model, your thoughts determine your actions. And so when I had that thought, conscious or unconscious, my body is broken, my action that would follow was Well, first of all, my feeling that would follow was anger with my body. And then my action would be to mistreat my body. And one of the major problems that I developed when I was going through infertility was binge eating. And like I would leave fertility appointments and I would feel so angry at my body, so discouraged, so devastated. And I would stop at the store on the way home and I would buy like a whole pie and eat the whole pie. And it was just like a way that I was trying to numb and escape and also punish my body. And so that thought, true or not, it doesn't matter, my body's broken, it wasn't serving me. It was leading to behaviors that weren't serving me. And so a better thought might've been, my body is struggling and I want to support it, or my body is trying to support me and we can support each other. You can still acknowledge the fact that your body is not doing what you would like or not doing, quote, what it's supposed to do, but right. reframing it as a thought that is more helpful and will lead to actions that will actually serve me versus lead me into a spiral that will make things worse. You know?
1: Exactly. Well, that's the thing that's so interesting is that we think that these thoughts are benefiting us and you're the only person that's suffering. Like you're making yourself sick. And how is that benefiting you? So Mm -hmm. I love that you said that. And I also love that you said that we can pick a thought that's true for us. Obviously, we don't want to live in the clouds. And like you need to choose a thought that's actually true for you that you believe. So it doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be like this sunshine and rainbow thought, but it can be something that at least provides you with the feelings that will lead you to actions that aren't harming you.
0: Yes. And I think that leads really well into your next takeaway because thoughts lead to feelings. And we don't always have to be on sunshiny cloud. So what is your second takeaway for women going through
1: infertility? Takeaway number two is that it's okay to feel negative emotions. And I think that growing up subconsciously, I just always thought that that was not okay. And we are taught to be positive and we're taught to look at the bright side and anything other than that for me was the wrong thing to do. So I would have a bad day during infertility because it was hard and I would allow myself to feel something negative for three seconds. And then later I would say, oh, well, you're not allowed to feel this way because you have an incredible marriage and you have a great job. So you're not allowed to feel these negative emotions. And then that would lead to just stifling these emotions that were still there. I was just burying them and when we don't properly process those negative emotions, then they just manifest themselves in other ways that cause additional problems in our lives. Like for example, when my kids were born, it was hard. Like having newborn twins is really hard. And even though I experienced infertility, it's still really hard. And I'm allowed to think that it's still hard. Although I guess in subconsciously, I was like, you're not allowed to think that. And so They would go to bed at night and I would just be so overwhelmed and so exhausted. I would just eat so much sugar. And I would think to myself like, okay, you know, and it did help for like five minutes while I was eating it. And then it has this net negative where I don't feel good. And you have these other problems that it creates. Whereas if I would have just said, you know what, girl, you're doing an incredible job yeah, newborn twins are hard and you are doing amazing. And are you perfect at it? No. But are you doing your very best? Yeah. And it's hard. And just even just giving myself the grace to acknowledge that, that life is hard and it can be hard and and there's nothing wrong with you when it feels that way. I could process it. I could just like love myself and give myself grace in it instead of harming myself more and causing more problems for myself. Oh, for
0: sure. And I think that This idea of being able to choose your thoughts about a circumstance, that doesn't mean you always have to choose a rosy thought, Mm -hmm. but again, choose one that serves you. So for example, that I thought of in my experience, a thought that I chose one day was, this is so hard and I need a break from life. And that is okay. That's an okay thought. It's okay to feel that way. And I allowed myself to feel it. And I remember I called in sick to work. And I spent the day crying and journaling and my best friend came over and we made cookies and I processed that emotion and felt so much better. The thought didn't lead to spiraling actions that were hurting me. The thought actually led to actions that allowed me to grieve and mourn Mm -hmm. and process and move forward. So I think just really looking at your thoughts and saying they don't all have to be Pollyanna, but what actions are they leading to?
1: (laughs) Right, right. What result are you getting? Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. What result are you getting? Absolutely. I actually think that leads really well into your third and final takeaway for us.
1: Yes. The third takeaway is be very curious about the thoughts you're thinking about your trials and whether they are serving you or not. And it's so interesting because I think that, sometimes we get in the habit of thinking thoughts so frequently that they become truth to us and they seem real. And then when we step back, we can say, yeah, they can be true, but I can also choose for them not to be true. And in the example I gave earlier, I can think the thought infertility is hard for me today and that's okay which then allows me to feel at peace in the moment that I'm in, which then allows me to take actions that like you had mentioned in your example earlier, that are helping you versus hurting you. And I think until we actually sit back and kind of give ourselves a little bit of space to question ourselves and be very curious Mm -hmm. about our thoughts, that it just seems like truth to us. And we're not aware of, what those thoughts are doing to us. Because we genuinely believe, I think most of the time that we're our own advocate. And of course, we're not going to intentionally harm ourselves. And then when you take a step back and realize, wow, this is the result that this thought is causing in my life, then you can choose whether you want that to be true or not, or whether another thought will benefit us better and give us the results that we want in our lives.
0: Yeah. Oh, and you're absolutely right that thoughts become truth to us and we cling to them and we're almost offended when somebody tries to challenge whether or not that that's true. Right. And you and I talked before the interview started about a great one that I think a lot of women could relate to with time. Can you give us that example of a thought that
1: we believe is true? That we can change. Yeah. Oh, I was clinging on tight to the thought that I did not have enough time. That thought went in my mind multiple times throughout the day. I was such a victim to it, and I believe I truly believe that it was true. I was so angry. I don't have enough time to get the things done that I want to. I'm always in a rush. And then one day I was like, "Wait a minute, is this true?" I just kind of sat back, and I'm like, "It could be, but also, what am I doing to make it true for myself in my life?" And I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm such an advocate of not being a victim. And I was such a victim in this circumstance. And I didn't even realize it. And mm-hmm. so I stepped back and I said, well, that can be true, but I can also choose the thought that helps serve me better. And so what I've replaced that with that I truly believe is that I have exactly the right amount of time for all of the important things that I want in this life. And I don't have enough time for the stuff that isn't my top priorities. And I have to say no to some of the good things for the better things that I truly want to spend my time on. And that thought hasn't magically given me like four extra hours in the day, but I'm able to step back and say, okay, it's okay to say no to these good things for these top priorities, because that's why I have time. And I'm creating that time for those activities that matter the very most to me. And it's so empowering because the thought that I don't have enough time is just like, why? Like I could think that, but but why? <laughs> you know? It's like when I yeah. think about it, I'm like, cool, it's not magically giving me more hours. So what's the point? And I also want to note too that when you're being curious about your thoughts, I want everyone to be very kind to themselves because beating yourself up over having these negative thoughts that you have thought were serving you and don't, there's no point in beating yourself up about it because then you just spiral into these negative actions that aren't going to serve you. So look at yourself with just simple curiosity, almost like you were looking at somebody else's life and just say, Oh, interesting. Like I, I didn't realize I was thinking that good to know. Oh, wow. I didn't realize these results this was causing in my life. And from that, like gentle curiosity, I think you can really get the results that you want in your own life.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. And I'm chuckling over here because that was one of my, and still is, I'll admit it. I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite thoughts is I don't have enough time. And I have a friend who's a life coach, Lisa, who challenged that and said, that's just a thought, Rachel. And I was so annoyed. And I was like, I hate you life coaches. No
1: offense. It's true. It seems ridiculous.
0: I was like, don't call me out on my own victimhood. I am really busy, you know? And like, I don't have enough time. Right. And then the more that she talked me through it, I was like, she's so right. That's all in my head. And I'm being a victim and I'm not prioritizing well. And then I'm blaming it on this other thing. And so kind of the mantra that I came to is I have plenty of time for everything that actually matters. And that's something that I will say I to myself that. over and over as a mantra throughout the day when I start to feel that stress is I will say that I have plenty of time for everything that matters. And it's been life-changing to actually accept that maybe that thought isn't true. So in the end, I like you life coaches <laughs> for calling me out of my own ah, BS. Thank you.
1: <laughs> it's easy to put up your walls at first because you have believed it, that it's true for so long that you're like, no, no, it has to be true.
0: Yes. And in that example of time management, that's something that we can kind of laugh about. I think all women can relate to it. When it comes to things like deep, deep trials, like infertility, we are not minimizing, like I said at the beginning, we are not minimizing how incredibly painful this is and how complicated it is to sort through your thoughts when you're going through this. Right. And reach out for emotional support. You might not be able to do this on your own, to sort through these thoughts on your own. And you have some great resources for people.
1: Yeah. I was going to say I need a life coach. I think I think everyone could benefit from it because it's like it's when you're in your own brain it's incredibly difficult to see what results you're getting based on your thoughts until someone can kind of like sit with you in an unemotional way and look at them with you
0: and compassionately look at them with you. That's the thing. Exactly. They're not going to harshly Put you in your place, and you have some resources. So, do you coach women, and what are your different resources? I know you have a podcast. Tell people how they can find more help from you.
1: Yeah, so I have a podcast called the Fearless Infertility Podcast, and I will be launching a coaching program this fall. I I don't know the exact dates yet, but if you follow the Slice of Sun on Instagram, which is my company name, or if you listen to the podcast Fearless Infertility, I'll keep you updated and. My goal is to teach you simple tools in how to help you manage your mind in infertility. And I want to empower you to realize that you are in control of those thoughts that you put in your head. And I want to make it easy for you to see what a true difference you can make in your own life and love yourself through the process and just love yourself. I think that's what it comes down to, is just really being truly compassionate to your trials and giving you these tools. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for everything that you're doing. And we'll put a link in the show notes to your show, to A Slice of Sun, the website where you have a shop that proceeds help women that are going through infertility to some of your
1: products, right? Yes. It's thesliceofsun.com. Mm-hmm. And we have pajamas that are so incredibly comfortable and cozy. They are bamboo pajamas. And the reason why we started selling those was because I had a necklace I wore in infertility and it just was my silent source of strength to remind myself to be strong. And I love these pajamas because you're just really enveloped in cozy love. And it really helps you to feel connected to the other women in the fertility community. And a percentage of the proceeds of both the socks that we sell and the pajamas go back to nonprofits who are helping women with infertility. so it's just a win win win.
0: Yeah. Oh that's beautiful and I know you spend a lot of time in pajamas when you're going through fertility, well through IVF with all the shots and all the different things and yeah, so I think that is a great way to send some love to women that are going through this. So Jenica, thank you so so much for coming on, for your time and for all your work that you're doing for women
1: in the world. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I feel the same way about you and I love your podcast.
0: Many thanks to Jenica for her refreshing take on the power of our thoughts to help us get through infertility. I hope you know that I mean it when I say that this discussion was not meant to minimize the very real pain that you are going through if you are experiencing this trial, but just to give you some tools to try to cope the best you can and feel more joy, even in this crappy time. As a recap of Jenica's three takeaways, I hope you'll remember first, you get to choose your thoughts about your circumstances. This does not mean that you always have to choose sunshiny, cotton candy thoughts, but it does mean that you can choose to frame your experience in any way that feels good to you at that time. Sometimes that might be to choose a grief-filled thought. Sometimes that might be to choose a positivity-filled thought. Remember, your thought doesn't even necessarily have to be true as long as it's something that you feel serves you and leads you to the actions that you want to take. Second, it's okay to feel negative emotions. As we've talked about often on this podcast, if you don't allow yourself to feel and acknowledge and process negative emotions, they will manifest in other ways, such as unhealthy coping behaviors or lashing out at yourself or others. It's okay to feel deeply sad, angry, forsaken, and disappointed in this trial. Feel it, move through it, and even within those feelings, choose thoughts that will support you. And third and finally, be gentle and curious about your thoughts and what results they're giving you. I love the idea of being a third-party observer of your thoughts and examining the outcomes that they're leading you to within your experience. Often we truly believe that our thoughts are facts, and it takes some gentle curiosity to acknowledge that other thoughts and actions may serve us better. This is a long process, and it may help to have a counselor or life coach to help you examine and untangle your thoughts and beliefs. I want to end this episode on a personal note, if that's okay. As you know, it has been a long, long road for us to get our children, and it's not over yet. I would really love to have a third child, and since that has not happened naturally for me over the past several years, I'm going to try IVF again this fall, and honestly, I'm kind of terrified. Having been through infertility treatments and difficult pregnancy before, it feels daunting to go back down that path, but I know it will be worth it if we can add another little miracle to our family. I'm hoping that some of the tools for emotional resilience I've gained over the past few years will be helpful for me as I embark on this journey. And today's episode is yet another resource for me to add to my toolbox as I prepare myself for that experience. I hope that by managing my thoughts, going to therapy, and using my Flex of Gold journal, this upcoming experience with infertility treatments will be much more bearable than it has been in the past. Wherever you are in your journey, I'm rooting for you, I'm sending you love, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.